You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Good morning. Welcome to Hope Church Online. It's great to be with you. Just before we get going uh, with our series in Luke, we're in chapter 6 today, if you want to turn there while I'm just saying this. It would be great to encourage you, if you're not on Facebook, I think it would be worthwhile to get an account going just for a few months to join us because most of what we're putting out is uh, the platform that we're using is Facebook. So I'd love to just uh, bring that to your attention if you weren't aware. We hate to think of people out there missing out on the church community and what we're putting out there. So it might be worthwhile just getting an account for a month or two until this is all uh, blown over. As I said, we're in Luke chapter 6, and uh, we're picking up in the middle of Jesus' great seminal sermon known as the Sermon on the Mount. We heard from Tom last week where he spoke to us uh, about the, from the beginning of this uh, sermon of Jesus's, and he spoke about Jesus's strange new people. He said that uh, Jesus had just called his disciples, he just called out the twelve and got his team together, a strange team, and, uh, and, and kind of summarized the end of his message by saying that we are to be a people who should desire to please an audience of one. I'm going to continue down that theme today, that we are God's strange new people. So part two, really, of God's strange new people. And we continue to look at Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at three sections of this sermon that Jesus teaches. And it begins in verse 27 with Jesus saying, but I say. But I say. And I think even in that phrase you get the idea that Jesus is bringing about something new. It's as if he's saying, you have heard it said, but I say. This is something new. I'm rolling out something completely new. A new decree, a new way. The way of my followers. What it will be like to be a Christian. We're going to look at three things here. One, to love radically and selflessly. Two, to operate with humility. Three, to learn from your fruit. So we're going from verse 27 to verse 45. And I'll be jumping in and out of the text a little bit. It'll be coming up on the screen. As Jesus explains the way of the kingdom, the way of his strange new people, he seems to really focus on behavior. He gives imperative after imperative. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. This is how to behave. This is how to not behave. It doesn't seem like very good preaching. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable to think as a preacher of just telling people what to do. In fact, Jesus up until now has been a man who has been frustrated and uh, had a big problem with religious leaders who all they do is, is tell others what they're allowed to do. And they just use it to uh, manipulate and dominate. And now in his most famous sermon around, uh, his most famous sermon now, what he is doing is telling people what to do. And not only that, but what he tells them to do seems irrational, illogical, and downright foolish. A blueprint for losers. We're going to look at verse 27 to 31, and in this short little paragraph, he gives nine imperatives, nine commands that he tells people to do. Number one, love your enemies. 
Now, straight away, we get the, the picture here that something is different, something is strange. What do, you, what do you mean, love your enemies, Jesus? I mean, think about it. We as Christians, uh, most of us watching this, uh, and even if you're not a Christian, you probably would have heard this teaching, this phrase, to love your enemies. You might be used to it, but, but at the time, you might, you know, if you think about it objectively, love your enemies? I mean, think back to school, somebody who was lying about you, someone who uh, maligned your name, somebody, somebody who may have hurt or abused you or upset you. Love them? Put myself in harm's way? Be kind to people who hate me, who oppose me purposefully? What do you mean, Jesus, love your enemies? He goes on, do good to those who hate you. Hate's a strong word, Jesus. Do good to people who hate me, who actively hate me. What do you mean, do good to them? I would understand if you said keep away from them. You know, don't get in the pathway of. No, no, do good to them. Jesus, this is completely topsy-turvy. I'm not used to this. What are you going on about here? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes your cheek... Offer the other one also. Okay, Jesus, you're just going silly now. What do you mean? Someone hits me, I'm supposed to let them hit me again? To the one who takes my cloak, offer my tunic also? I mean, come off it, Jesus. Someone's stealing from me and I'm supposed to offer them more stuff. Give to everyone who begs from you. And don't demand back what has been taken from you. As you want others to do to you, so do to them. Now, okay, Jesus, I do want people to treat me nicely. So, you know, I, I can understand that one. But surely you don't mean I should do that before they treat me nicely. I mean, you, you, you can't mean that. I, I would treat somebody kindly as long as they're kind to me. That's kind of how I work. I go around and I see if, if this person's kind to me, I'll be kind to them. If they're nice to me, if they're generous to me, perhaps I'll be generous to them. I seem to operate that way around Jesus, not the other way around. I'm not going to be kind and generous before they have. Jesus, this is a blueprint for losers. What are you doing? Let people walk all over you. Love others with no reward. Give of yourself just willy-nilly. Why? It makes no sense at all. I will lose. It's a bit like a football manager saying to his team, listen, if they score one, let them score five more. Um, no. And I don't think you're a very good manager. Jesus, this is why people aren't interested in being Christians, because you just want them to lose. You just want a bunch of do-gooders who are very happy, who are never happy because they aren't allowed anything. They're not allowed to keep anything. They just have to give everything up. And listen, Jesus, if I have to give everything up, who's looking out for me? And then he goes on. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? In fact, he says three things here that he asks, what is the benefit of these three things? Firstly, if you love those who love you. Secondly, if you do good to those who do good to you. And thirdly, if you lend to those who you expect to receive back from. 
benefit? I mean, come on, Jesus. What, what do you mean, what benefit? These things do benefit. You've just told us the benefit. If I love and they love back, there's the benefit. If I do good to those who do good to me, there's the benefit. If I lend and expect back, there's the benefit, Jesus. It's all safe. It's all above board. I will get back what I'm giving. I'm not just giving out. What do you mean, where's the benefit? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It keeps things controllable. It keeps things safe. Jesus, it keeps things ordered and fair and just. You like justice, right? What are you talking about, Jesus? Why would I behave like this? What is this whole topsy-turvy new way that you've got going? Why on earth would I put myself in harm's way? Why would I opt for injustice in my life? No one would do that on purpose. It's insane. What next? Go and lie down in a busy road? What are you on about, Jesus? You've lost it. You're off your rocker. Why? Well, as we look in verse 35 and 36, we see crucial phrases that help us to understand what Jesus is getting at here. Your reward will be great, Jesus says. No, Jesus, it won't be great. You've just told me I'll lose out. I'll have to give of myself. I'll have to roll over and let people walk all over me. I won't be able to stand up for myself. It won't be great. So this is, this is, this is the the crux of it here. Jesus wants his followers to trust the Father. Your reward will be great. Trust him for a greater reward. A greater reward than vindicating yourself. A greater reward than justifying yourself. Trust God's decisions. Trust God's justice. Trust God's vengeance. Don't take it upon yourself to decide who is deserving of what treatment. Faith is what he wants you to have. Faith in his future promises in the face of the desire of instant gratification. We desire things instantly. We want, we want results instantly. And to be sure, Jesus is not saying that there won't be some instant results here. It's not like if you're kind to people, it won't sometimes instantly come back and, and give you immediate rewards. As you see people's hearts soften, as you're kind to them, as they steal something from you or take something that is not deserved, and you say, hey, do you know what? If you need that, that's fine. You could instantly see someone's heart soften in an argument where you know, I need to stand up for myself here. And you say, hey, do you know what? I'll, in your heart, I'm going to overlook this. And you just say, hey, look, I'm sorry for what I did. You could immediately see the reward of their heart being softened. But listen, even if you don't, someone's heart is being softened. Yours. Your heart's being softened in that moment. God will reward you greatly. We need to have faith in his promises, in his ways. And it says, secondly, this is a crucial line here, and you will be sons of the Most High. You will be sons of the Most High. What do you mean here? Do, do, do you mean that I'll be qualified to be a son of God? 
Do you mean this is my qualification? Uh, if I behave like this, then I will be adopted? No, he's not talking about qualifications. He's not talking about achieving sonhood or daughterhood, sonship or daughterhood. He's not talking about achieving adoption. How do I know this? Because as we read on, he says this, And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Jesus is not saying that this behavior will qualify you as sons of the Father, but that it will reflect your daughterhood, your sonship. He's saying, show your DNA. Show whose you are. Bear fruit from your new family tree, your kingdom family. Show that you are a new creation, that you're a son of the Most High. Be like your father. Be like he has been to you. All of these imperatives, all of these commands, all of this guidance that Jesus gives to his people, it has deep rooting. It's not just him saying, I want you to behave a certain way because I said so. It's rooted in gospel beauty. It's rooted in the gracious, loving kindness of Jesus and the Father. This is what your Father is like at his core. It's who he is. Be like him. Show your new DNA. When we ask who would do this, who would do this, Jesus? Who would behave like this? Who would let people off like this? Who would overlook such offense? Who would let people take their things and let people abuse them and still love them? Who would do that? The answer is God would. God did. God has. It's what he's like. It's the heart of God. It's what he's been like to you. So we love because of who Christ has made us. We love out of who we now are. Our new DNA. Sons of the Most High. Secondly, we want to operate with humility. Jesus talks about judging in the second uh, passage from what we're looking at. Judge not, he says in verse 37, and you will not be judged. He goes on to ask, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Do not be a hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This isn't about not being discerning. This isn't about not carrying out due legal processes and things like that. It's about the attitude of your heart. Jesus' followers are to be humble in how they approach other people. Loving radically and humbly. Jesus wants us to be radically humble. See, this is the point. If we judge others, if we condemn others, if we withhold forgiveness, we display something. 
Something of our heart is coming out as we're going to see in the last part of the passage. And what comes out is blindness. If you judge others, you're behaving as if you're in a position to judge. In a seat of authority. If you condemn, you display a heart that is blind to the condemnation that you rightly deserve. But have been freed from in Jesus. If you withhold forgiveness, you display a heart that is blind to the forgiveness that your heart needs and has received from God. Don't be a hypocrite, Jesus says. Don't be blind. You need to be freed from condemnation. You need to be freed from guilt. You need to be given forgiveness, mercy, and grace. Don't behave as if others shouldn't have the same from you. Don't withhold it from others. A blind man cannot lead a blind man. Both will fall. Don't be a hypocrite. You've got a log in your eye. Humble yourself and deal with your own sin and ugliness by bringing it before God in repentance before you approach someone else about theirs. See, Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't approach others and help to bring correction. He's not saying that as brothers and sisters that we don't help each other out of sin by helping each other to see, look, there's sin here. That wasn't right what you did. That's not the point he's making here. The point is this. Be more aware of your own sin than you are of other people's before you correct them. Be aware of your need for mercy and grace before you start going around saying what other people are doing wrong. Be humble as a recipient of God's gracious, loving kindness. Recognize the grace and mercy that has been given to you. Thirdly, learn from your fruit. We're going to just read from verse 43 to 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This is not simply external behavior modification that Jesus is saying here. He's not, he's not just teaching his people, behave a certain way. It's not as simple as that. It's not like stapling apples on a tree. No, this is about acknowledging new life. A new tree, treasure stored up that overflows into extraordinary love. Let me just read you this um, quote from pastor and author Paul Tripp. He says this, If a tree produces bad apples year after year, there is something drastically wrong with its system, down to its very roots. I won't solve the problem by stapling new apples onto the branches. They also will rot because they are not attached to the life-giving root system. And next spring, I will have the same problem again. I will not see a new crop of healthy apples because my solution has not gone to the heart of the problem. 
If the tree's roots remain unchanged, it will never produce good apples. The point is that in personal ministry, much of what we do to produce growth and change in ourselves and others is little more than fruit stapling. It attempts to exchange apples for apples without examining the heart, the root behind the behavior. This is Jesus' teaching to us. Your heart will reflect. Your heart will be reflected in what comes out. Perhaps right now is, is a good time for us to be thinking about what's coming out. Because it's when we go through difficulties, trials, seasons that are unusual, we feel a pressure, a squeezing. And just like a toothpaste uh, tube, when you're squeezed, what comes out of you is what was inside. Right now we find ourselves in a, in a strange time, and a pressured time, and many of you feeling that pressure at home, and things are different. Here's a question for you. What fruit is coming out? What's being displayed? Are you finding yourself to be quick-tempered? Are you finding your, fr- your fuse is shorter than normal? Are you finding you're getting a bit downcast? Are you finding you're going to temptation easily? Are you finding you're worshipping Jesus, enjoying him? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we examine our fruit, we'll see what's going on at a heart level. Is this just stuff I'm trying to do to please God? Or is it what comes out of me? How can it be what comes out of me? What, what, well, Jesus says, if we go back to what it said here, the good person out of the good treasure in his heart produces good. What is the good treasure stored up in a person's heart? I'll put it to you that it is the gracious, loving kindness of God through his Son as revealed by the Holy Spirit. That is a treasure house, a treasure trove of jewelry and luxury and beauty and love and kindness. It's there to be drawn on at all times. And out of the overflow of that can come the fruit that God would have us to bring forth. Jesus says in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How can we in this time and throughout life, Get that treasure stored up in our hearts. How can we make sure that the treasure that we have in our hearts is the loving kindness of Jesus? We abide in him. We live in him. We can't think that, oh yeah, I know God's love. I received it before. We can't think that that will bear much fruit. Jesus doesn't say, come to me once. He says, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. It's in living in him, drinking always from his loving kindness, that we see ourselves become like him. Coming back to the source, the lover of our souls, to be loved well and learn what love truly is. 
This is how we know what love is, John says in his epistle. That one would lay down his life for his friends. We love because he first loved us. This is where we learn what love truly is. So we may think we're very loving people. And yet when we get confronted with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and we hear what he shows us love to be, we can think, are you insane? And then we look to him and we see he's not insane. He's not just putting things out there and saying, you need to achieve this. He's saying, this is what I'm like. This is how I love. If you look back at those nine things, love your enemies. It's exactly what he's like, isn't it? It's what God the Father's been doing since he created man. Man that constantly rejected, rebelled. God kept making a way back, loving his enemies. Do good to those who hate you. This is the heart of God. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Where can we see that most strikingly? We see that in Jesus on the cross. As he was being mocked and abused, crucified, tortured. Somehow the heart of God is a heart that prays, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is what he is like. You know, we become like those who we spend time with. Esme is my wife, and sometimes I notice that uh, I come down uh, a bit later than her in the day, or she comes down a bit later than me in the day, and we've dressed very similarly. I'm wearing one of her dresses or something. No, maybe not that but that we maybe have the same colors on or that we've got something similar. And we notice, yeah, we we love each other. We are in and out of each other's lives. Some of the phrases we use, they they come out the same. There's an amazing story, actually, of my my, my oldest brother. He's in his uh, late 40s now. And uh, a few years ago, he was on a ferry, either going to or or from France. And uh, a woman saw one of his children, uh, who was about 10 at the time, And this woman had not seen my brother for 20 years or so, but she said to this kid, are you Ben Virgo's son? She'd never seen him before, but the likeness was so strong that she could tell whose he was. We become like those who we spend time with. There's a family resemblance. I mean, it's it's positive and negative. It It says in Proverbs, If you hang around with the foolish, you become foolish. If you hang around with the wise, you become wise. I remember, uh, it's weird, you know, I can go and play football and suddenly I'm talking like, come on, ref, what are you doing? My whole persona changes because of who I'm hanging around with and what the circumstances. We become like who we're with. My wife said to my kids recently, last week, we were asking them, talking to them about fruit, bearing fruit. And she was saying, what, we were talking about what fruit do we see in each other's lives? And she said, I can tell when daddy's been spending time with Jesus because he's more patient and he's more kind, he's more gentle. The secret of 
bearing fruit, getting this storehouse, this treasure in our hearts that will come forward and bear good fruit is to spend time with Jesus. It says in Acts 4.13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Being with Jesus rubs off on you. It changes you. Abide in him. He'll abide in you and bear much fruit. At this time in your life, perhaps in this kind of lockdown time, this might be a perfect time to really make a point of saying, I want to be with Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know his power. I want to know his spirit. I want to bear fruit because I abide in him. I know him. I want people to look at me and say he's been with Jesus. We need to, as Jude says, keep ourselves in the love of God. It gives us security. It gives us joy so that we're not needing to reserve love and reserve kindness and reserve generosity and forgiveness until we deem that others have until we deem that we've received enough from others to give it back no we keep ourselves in god's love and then we can give graciously freely generously in this time take the opportunity to urgently pursue radically pursue Abiding in Jesus. Be with him. Let his gracious, loving kindness soften you and rub off on you. You will experience blessing. The joy of meditating on his love for you. The joy of knowing his wisdom and being in his likeness. The family likeness reflected in you. It's not just go to God for your homework. It's go and let him love you. Go and know his heart towards you, that he is gentle, that he is lowly, that he is meek and humble towards you, that he is kind, he is generous towards you. Receive those things. Let them soften your heart during this time. Perhaps you're listening in and you don't know this transformation. If you're honest, you say that you don't know God as your father and you'd like to. You're someone who might sometimes do things that make it look like you bear juicy fruit. But you know that it's stapled on because you want to show yourself to be something that you're really not. It's not an overflow of your heart. It's exhausting. It's hard work. Today, there's an opportunity to come to Jesus. Ask him to uproot the old dead heart and place a new one in you that draws from the deep well of his gracious, loving kindness to you. If that is you, there's three things that, well, it's a, I like to say it's as easy as ABC. It's a bit cheesy, but it helps to remember. There's three things that we can do to come to Jesus. Accept, believe, commit. ABC. Firstly, to accept, my heart is not able to produce good. I can be kind and friendly, but I know that my heart is not like Jesus because I'm not in his family. Believe, I believe that in 
Your gracious, loving kindness, Jesus, you died on the cross to deal with my old dead heart and its sin. And you rose to new life so that I could be given a new heart that could bear good fruit overflowing from your love. And see, commit. I choose to put my trust in you and follow you because you show me what love and life truly are. And so there's nothing better I could live for. If you're feeling dry at the moment, if you're lacking inspiration and encouragement from others, I know that's what I've been feeling in this lockdown time. This is the moment. This could be life-changing for you. Do drink from the wellspring of life. Wade in the love of God by meditating on his gracious loving kindness to you today. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you so much for the heart that you have towards people who are rebellious, mocking, hateful, snatch, take what isn't theirs. You've given and given and given again. You give grace upon grace. Father, I pray, let us enjoy your grace Enjoy your love. Let it change us from within. Let us recognize that we are placed into a new family and we want to look like our Father does. Lord, I pray that the world would look at us and know here's a people who have been with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just as we finish, I encourage you in your rooms to pray with those around you now, whether that's your spouses or those, maybe your children. And just pray, God, would you help us to enjoy your love? And perhaps it may be even something to ask of a spouse or a friend that you live with, what fruit do you see coming out in me? What do you see coming out in me? Because I want to, I want to learn from my fruit. And if it's not of God, I want to go back to the cross. I want to go back to his loving kindness. And I want to display the fruit that he calls me to display. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.